Bika Bika. Hello, I'm your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of the Bandaflix Movie Review Podcast. Joining me this week at the Odeon here in Belfast is our very own geek queen, Jess Blair. Bigger, bigger. And uh, the thin air is Connor Smith. Chew. I like it what you did there. You're all down with the kids. I feel like I should do a Pokemon reference in there, but all I really know is Pokemon, I choose you. But that's it. That just makes me sound like really old and old farty. So what we're going to be doing on this week's podcast, we're going to be talking a bit about It Chapter 2 because the trailer was released early this week. We'll be reviewing Detective Pikachu, and as always, we'll wrap up with our and finally question. So without any further ado, let's move on to part one of the podcast. <laughs> right guys, so part one, a uh, bit of recent movie news, and we've had a couple of trailers released. Jess, Connor doesn't really want us to talk anything's Marvel, because <laughs> Connor's with the thin air, and Connor wants to talk about things that are on the QFT. I'm only joking. <laughs> but we have had a, well, I'm intrigued by this because we've had two trailers and I know I want to talk primarily about the It Chapter 2 trailer, but we've had the the release of this Spider-Man Far From Home trailer that is spoilerific if you haven't seen anything from Endgame. We have Spider-Man popping up at the very start to say, if you haven't seen Endgame, don't watch this. I know we were talking about Endgame last week and Jess, you were on our podcast and it was something that Brian Mulholland said that maybe all this thing with this announcement of Far From Home Maybe it is coming from Sony rather than MCU. I think if it was an MCU-only property, because I don't think they've released any news about any title in their Phase 4. And I know they've kind of said that this is the end of Phase 3. All the phases confuse me greatly. But I'm just intrigued. I'll start with you, Connor. As the man who loves the MCU more than anybody else here in this room, you know, what's your thoughts on this? I suppose this kind of strand of, of marketing. Where this, it's kind of, it's a spoiler trailer for a film that's, what, like two weeks now, two, three weeks now. And if you haven't seen it, you can't watch the trailer. I mean, I think that's fair enough. First of all, you know, people going on with spoilers, just do my head in. Um, It's not that big a deal if you know what happens at the end. Um, and Really, though? So you wouldn't be angry if you were walking down the street and some guy was just shouting out, you know, so-and-so dies, so-and-so dies in a movie you were just about to watch. You wouldn't get annoyed like in that episode of The Simpsons where Homer's walking out. It's like, who would have thought it? Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. You wouldn't have got annoyed at that. Well, um, I was very tempted when I came out of Endgame. I was walking past the Nikki to say something. You're the type of person I will end up doing jail time over. I'm very much. You're like that guy. Was it in China where the guy got beat up for Spider-Man? Or no, the guy got beat up yeah. for spoiling? Yeah. I know you've been working Perfectly. out. Is this what it is? Because you're working out now, you're just kind of feel you want to test yourself in a fight. I just want to walk around beating up all the nerds. I resent that. Um, I'm only joking. About. Um, He's not joking. <laughs> no, I mean, well, one of the sort of things with Homecoming or with Far From Home is uh, like one of the narrative strands that it sort of comes out of this mm. new trailer is the idea of, you know, Peter kind of following on from the legacy of Tony and you can't really talk about on in a trailer without mm-hmm. kind of like obviously kind of spoiling what happens so that's fair enough it's kind of building on kind of what we already know about the movie but like adding a new kind of dimension um which like i guess it makes sense in terms of what happened between sort of peter and tony in the films and everything but um someone pointed at this out online i sort of hadn't thought about it it's kind of annoying how like someone like spider-man has been sucked into the kind of um, larger like framework of the Avengers and like what happens in the Avengers. You know, he's not so much kind of you know friendly neighborhood well, hanging out in the Queens. Marvel paid for you it know. to get get him into the franchise, and this is what Sony want. I know, but it's like okay, yeah, it's Nick Fury, it's Tony Stark, it's bitch, please, you be in the space. Sorry, <laughs> oh, make, makes me laugh. Line. Sorry, <laughs> makes me laugh. But I'm dying for you know some Mysterio. Yeah, he's like one of the good old school kind of Sinister Six villains that I'm into. Um. So that'll be cool. And I will talk, I guess, about the multiverse thing. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm intrigued. I, I have a f- funny feeling it's a double bluff, but that's just me. It is Mysterio. Like. But it is an interesting way for Marvel to go. 
I think, because, I mean, the multiverse exists within the comics, and we've already seen the multiverse in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I kind of want it to be its own thing. I yeah. kind of, like, want the multiverse to be the Spider-Verse kind of universe, and... Let the MCU be the MCU. But anyway, what about what? What are you? What's your thoughts, Jess? And what's your thoughts on this kind of spoilerific nature of this trailer? And then just generally your thoughts on the what you've seen in the trailer. Well, it's a bit hard to say it's spoilerific when the film was announced before Endgame was released, so we all knew Spider-Man lived anyway. So we kind of knew there was going to be a, a degree of a happy ending there. I think. I really enjoyed the the trailer overall. You know, it's like you've already sort of mentioned, there's that additional dimension now of Spider-Man sort of living beyond the events now of Endgame. And sort of, as you can see in the trailer, he wants to have a break, he wants to go on his holidays, and then obviously Nick Fury happens, and you don't deny Nick Fury. But I must admit, I am, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think there's a Marvel movie I'll never not look forward to. It's It looks fantastic. But I must admit, I'm kind of reluctant to see Spider-Man become too entrenched within the Avengers, you know, kind of dragging him in i quite like him kind of standing alone it gives a bit of almost breathing room away from the avengers because as much as i love these films you can almost go a little bit overboard of just constantly having this massively star-studded cast of every single major player all in the one film mm-hmm. and i'm a little worried they're gonna start doing that across the board but it could just be a small fraction of it you just don't know it looks very good overall so I'm quite excited. Yeah, I think the um the other Spider-Man, the first one, is like one of the better MCU stuff. Like I'm Toby not... Maguire? No, no sorry, was... the first uh of the new ones. Homecoming. Homecoming, sorry. Um it is kind of like it's got like good humor and like good kind of small scale characters and stuff. Um so I do actually think I mean, I know I'm sort of down on MCU, but I do think this will be pretty good fun. Yeah, I I I loved Homecoming. I thought it was it was kind of refreshing because it it's that idea of kind of what the you know R.I.P. the Netflix MCU kind of TV series had, where the stakes weren't massive; these weren't global. And I think that's when, like, particularly, and I, I know I've talked about this on previous podcasts. When you look at, like, say, Daredevil season three compared to Daredevil season two, and even the Defenders. That's at its most interest when it's like a, a petty criminal whose only motive is kind of that area. He's not trying to trying to take over the world and has ambitions, you know, global ambitions. Give me the kingpin and his kind of plans to rule the Hell's Kitchen any day over weird ninjas who want to do weird stuff with Sigourney Weaver. I, I, I'm intrigued. The multiverse thing intrigues me. I I'm really excited. I know you've mentioned Mysterio. I'm intrigued because I th- he was always a villain I never thought you could really bring seriously to to real life because of the kind of the big dome head. But I think from what I've seen, I'm really intrigued. I I just think the whole multiverse thing is going to be a bit of a double bluff. And isn't it the Eternals or something they've mentioned as well, which kind of brings other stuff within the the MC within the Marvel kind of comic book heritage. But I don't know. The only thing I'm intrigued with how they deal with, and it's the whole thing with the snap that. People have disappeared for five years. Mm. Conveniently, all Peter Parker's friends, <laughs> close personal friends, people who were involved in the previous film seem to have been snapped. Thankfully, you know, his aunt has been snapped as well, so they haven't aged. But I'm interested <laughs> to see how they're going to deal with, and I think this is one of the things we're going to talk about in the film, is that it's going to be how they deal with the fact they other people they knew their age are now five years older. And it seems to be, I mean, the film's pretty much set up that it, takes place at starts right as endgame ends i'm I'm intrigued by that but that's that's what i'm looking forward to another trailer that broke this week after a lot of bigging up by the master that is stephen king is the it chapter two trailer anyone who listens to this podcast has watched the tv show or looked at the website and read my review knows i'm not a big fan of it the first film i'm a huge fan of the original kind of tv movie although i accept that it's dated but kind of you connor has it I don't know, were you a big fan of the, the It Chapter 1? Are you excited about It Chapter 2? Um, I just thought the Chapter 1 was okay. I sort of thought it was quite decent as like a kids' adventure, kind of light action, light horror kind of movie. Um, it didn't. It's not a case of like, oh, it's not as good as the original. Mm. It's more like it felt very close to all the horror movies we get anyway from studios, like a lot of like jump stuff. Um 
and the redesign of the Klein seemed very, I don't know, kind of obvious and like the costuming and the makeup and stuff. It was very much like, this guy's really, really scary. Whereas in the original, he just kind of looks like a normal person. Yeah, exactly. Because I was saying to this to Jess before the recording, I actually think this sounds like a really weird statement to say, I accept this before I've even said it. There's a sense that Tim Curry's Pennywise, I know you haven't seen the film, Jess, but you've seen images of Tim Curry's Pennywise. There's a sense I could believe he would lure a small child to their death, right? (laughs) Because I could believe that a child would, oh, there's Tim Curry and he's off me a balloon. Let's go for it. But the the Pennywise we get in the films, he's too scary. No right. Immediately horrific. Yeah, no right thinking child. Okay, I know as you pointed out then, Georgie falls for it straight away, but Georgie'd be dumb. That's Georgie's problem. He goes out, (laughs) he goes out playing in the rain, you know, what can I say? But, they made him too scary, but they also made him too much of like a Freddy Krueger figure. But it's not the Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Freddy Krueger from like Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. I don't mind those films, but he's not scary. Yeah, and one of the things, uh, again, we're talking about the original. Uh, but one of the things that kind of sticks with, it, sticks with you when you see the original is this idea of like the evil underneath just a normal world, like mm-hmm. the everyday world. And... Uh, that Pennywise is really good at it because he kind of looks like a climb that would be like a fairground thing that comes to your town, but he's got the kind of the stuff underneath. Where, yeah, whereas the new one's like mm, kind of he's like this like feral bird or something. He's <laughs> he's very intense. Um, yeah, I so what's I, the most offsetting thing about that is they've made him really, really physically scary and terrifying, but they've given this kind of twisted like Hanna Barbera kind of voice mm-hmm. oh it, yeah 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 and mm. it's almost like they've tried to compensate it and to me the two just don't work you're right i forgot about the voice yeah. I, I don't know i thought that worked quite well now obviously i mm. haven't seen the originals full disclaimer petrified clowns <laughs> like standard everyday clowns mm. like the festival of fills is the worst time for me to be near <laughs> belfast city center i've i not again panic attack at 16 years old in the middle of city center because a clown was walking down the street but haven't watched the originals. I find what is it that squeak? What is it that freaks you out about clowns? Is it like the oversized feet? I don't know. I just is just... it when they squeak when they walk? Because I don't I, like that either. I actually, to be honest, I really do think it's the Tim Curry Pennywise that freaked me out as a child because I have vivid recollections of walking into the living room in the middle of the night whilst my parents were up watching a movie and they must have been watching it and me seeing the clown's face from under the bed. And that's been me since for mm. clowns. I can't, I can't deal very well. So whilst I've never seen the original, and I do agree that, that Tim Curry's is you know, the quintessential, it's automatically actually you really think about when you think of Pennywise and evil clowns and all the rest of it. I thought they kind of struck the balance in a way quite well with the Skarsgård Pennywise. I felt he was kind of, rather than that in-your-face scary or that kind of one minute a believable clown, the next minute obviously evil monster, mm-hmm. it was more deeply unsettling the entire time, which I felt worked that little bit better. You know, the voice, it felt childish. You sort of go, is he, you know, is he okay? And then obviously the features are just creepy rather are than outright frightening. Are you just trying to admit, Jess, that you would be lured to your death by this this Pennywise? Offer me a kitten, probably. But I did, I don't know, I did think it worked quite well. You know, I wasn't outwardly, like, I wasn't immediately frightened by him, but I, you just felt that deep sense of unsettlement, which I think worked quite well throughout the film because it... The, the, as the, the plot continues it becomes more unsettling as it goes so if you're already in that perpetual state from the beginning from that first instance of seeing him i think it just built mm. up the momentum very very well rather than that just outright already freaky looking normal clown to downright you're now going to be in psychology for the next six months clown from the tim curry days you're gonna have issues i i think the thing for me is that deep down i always wanted to have seen the fukunakwa version of this film i know fukunakwa wanted to do things that are in the book that I just don't think you can get away with. And when you reread the book, you go, oh, Stephen, why Why did you ever put that in? And there's part of me thinks that that opening sequence in, in chapter one is a hangover for that. Because it, it, is, it is a tough, tough, I mean, we have the cutest small child ever in his cute little yellow coat. And he has a pretty grisly death. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. <laughs> and... There's nothing else in the film comes anywhere near as shocking. So I, I've always wondered, was that a case of, was that something that was shot by Fukunakwa? And then they've just kind of brought it. I don't know. I, and I, I can't sit in here and say, I have the facts to prove it. I, I just felt that opening was kind of 
once you go there, there's very little you can come back to, and then there's nothing. And I've said it before to me that film, and it's going to be interesting to see in this film, and I'm going to come back to you because there's a point because you haven't seen the film, Jess, or the original TV movie. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to you in this corner. There's a, a feeling for me that this, these two films, but particularly, well, I haven't seen. There's a particular feeling for me in that chapter one that it clung to the book like a wet blanket. And I've said this before: when you get a director who wants to do something with source material, and I think Stephen King's something you have to do with. You can't cling to it because it's not always literal. You get when you get some director trying to do something clever with a book, you get Mindhunter. But when you get someone who's clinging to a book like a wet blanket, you get Red Dragon. That's the kind of thing. That was my th- my own thought when I watched. It's like you have someone who's just literally. You can feel the page flick over and then this happens and this happens and this happens. And anything that happens when you are reading the book is ultimately going to be much scarier in your head than what it is visualized on screen. But, and I think the original TV movie suffered from this. The stuff with the adults coming back is where the, particularly the film fell down in the original TV movie fell down. And I think what they did, I think we, I think we maybe talked about this before. Probably. They find a quite clever way. Of trying to get you on board. And I know it's easy to say because we didn't know that a chapter one was going to be such a success when it was released. That when the original TV movie came out, they introduced the adult actors at the very start. So that was when, that was your way of becoming engaged with them. But in this version, we spent all this time with the original cast. I know they're still going to make cameo appearances. Mm-hmm. But now it's like a passing of the guard. We don't have that emotional attachment to these performers. Which I think the TV movie got right, that, that balance. I still think the stuff with the adults is probably the weakest aspect of particularly the TV movie, and it's going to be interesting with this version. It is. No, you're right, you're right. Um, rewatching it before the new one came out a couple of years ago, that's what really struck me, was how um, much of the second part you could just kind of like get rid of. And, the, a lot and of the terrible of, stop-motion stuff. There's, uh, what bit's that? The terrible stop-motion spider. Oh, oh, okay. That's just, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They can't do that. They can't do that in this one. Um, but it's going to have a bigger budget. We know that. So they <laughs> might be able to get away with it. With oh, that's one real good looking spider. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I take like. it all back. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's going to struggle in comparison to the first one because the first one had a, like I mentioned, a kind of kids adventure mm. feel to it. Kind of slightly Stand stranger things kind of thing, sort yeah. of thing that kind of worked. Um, and then this one's going to be more difficult. This one's going to be more standard, uh, kind of horror stuff, I think, mm. without that. Um, yeah, you're right about the kind of like connection between the adult and the kids stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be very separate. Um, partly as well because like kind of casting like really well known people, yeah. like it's, like it's going to be a great cast and everything, you know, but you are going to be like, oh, that's, that's Jessica Justine. This is, that's not, you know. Don't uh, worry, Professor Xavier, he'll sort it all. <laughs> I think they've got all, they've got all the casting bang on. It's just I think that's one of the things. I think the the original TV movie knew that the kids is the most the kids aspect of the story is the most interesting aspect of it. And I mean, you've read the book, Jess. Yeah. You've just seen the trailer. So are you sold second time round? Have you got your your bum in that cinema seat? Oh, definitely. Well, it's kind of that also, you know, in a series film. Even if you didn't particularly enjoy the first, you're more than likely going to see the second anyway. But I thought the trailer looked very good. It was deeply unsettling for me. I'm not the fan of jump scares. I'm not the fan of weird movements and things. So a couple of weeks in that trailer were enough to make me go, oh, I'm not going to enjoy the second half, but I'll still be there. Yeah, Jess, so and I know we kind of talk in January there about it chapter one, Connor, but from looking at trailers, and I know trailers lie, they sell your soul to get you buy buy you a cinema ticket. But are you sold in this? I think it's going to be... Uh... Good, not great, as a friend of mine describes every film that he sees. Um, yeah, Just, th- hang on, is your friend like Donald Trump? <laughs> it's very good, very good for him. That didn't sound like Trump. That's uh, I, didn't, I didn't really, go, I didn't really want to go racist there. You know who that reminded me of? You know the Indian guy in Short Circuit, who's not. Oh, Indian? Yes, you know the yes, Indian yes, guy yes. Who's, yes. who's not Indian. Yes. Oh my god. Who won in the nineties? Won an award for Indian portrayal. I remember. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh wow. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that to come out. Very good, very good. <laughs> it's good, not great. Good, uh, not, good not great, Connor. Yeah, I think it looks like um, an above-average, uh, well-produced studio horror myth film. We'll have to wait and see. It's out in September later this year. And with that, we shall move on to part two of the podcast. 
So, part two of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Jess, there is a reason why we chose you, because you are the fangirl amongst the three of us here. So, I think you're the perfect person to set this up before we play a clip. So, for the uninitiated, give us a setup. What is Pokemon Detective Pikachu all about? So, this film is set in the Sign City region of the Pokemon universe, where essentially it's a bit of a mix of America and Japan, and it's a city where Pokemon and humans work and live harmoniously. They don't battle. They aren't there for any other purpose than to just live together and help each other become a better society. So, when a fella Tim Goodman's father, who's a detective with his partner, Detective Pikachu, are suddenly murdered... Tim has to come to the city to deal with his dad's state and magically bumps into Pikachu in his dead father's apartment. It just sets us off in this amazing story to discover where his father actually is and how this crime was committed. Okay, so let's play a clip of the film. <sighs> so, Pikachu? Oh, jeez. Hey, little guy. How did you get in here? I know you can't understand me, but put down the stapler or I will electrocute you. Did you just talk? Whoa. So that's a clip of Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Connor, you're going to be winning in just a moment, but Jess, what was your thoughts on this film? I'm sure we can all probably guess. <laughs> I, <laughs> this film, I suppose I was going into this already probably heavily biased. This is what I wanted to see mm-hmm. when I was eight, nine years old. This is where I wanted to live when I was eight or nine years old. So the for, Odeon Belfast? <laughs> oh, it's my favourite place. I love it here. No, I as a small kid, like Pokemon was life. I had the Pokemon cards, I had the games. So I think seeing this played out on the big screen and played out so well, like, you know, you can tell the investment was there. The CGI was fantastic. The Pokemon didn't feel at any point too out of place, surprisingly. You know, you weren't what it felt very realistic watching it. I think they've just They've struck the right chords with all of the kind of diehard fans from back in the day and to the younger kids today who are obviously more involved with things like Pokemon Go and the Switch games and things like that. But I definitely do think this is a movie for the fans. It's, you know, I can see people coming. I can understand why there is negative reviews of this online, but I do think they're unfounded. It's definitely a fandom movie. I I think you've hit the nail on the head for me anyway. It it very much feels like a film for fans and it feels like, I think as I said to you as we left, it felt like as if someone had just walked in on Avengers Endgame, having <laughs> never spent any time with those previous, was it 21 films, and sat down and said, right, what's going on? And I have a limited investment with Pokemon. I remember the TV show and that was kind of a... Which series? Johto Lake? Indigo Lake? I think it was just Pokemon. <laughs> and it was just all I can remember is there was there was Pokemon, Pikachu, a talking cat, and the A talking cat oh wow. And Team Rocket. And Jesse, who was and James, one of the PR Team Rocket with me, I. Yes. And I had a bit of a weird crush on I was a kid, okay? It's not like I'm thirty three <laughs> or something and I was watching Pokemon, but I had a weird crush on Jesse in that but that's the way anime girls are are, are drawn so let's not go there let's not go and and psychoanalyze that little bit of my childhood this felt like it it set up a pre-established world and just kind of like literally as if I walked in the cemetery just threw me in and there's maybe only one little bit of setup there's like as when he's going to the city there's like a little video that he watches and it sets up everything and that's I know I'm always praising films it's show don't tell But I think there's a certain sense of telling that needs to be done. Although I was never confused. I was never baffled. I just felt very much like the outsider watching this and laughing at a few Ryan Reynolds kind of. (laughs) He's just doing Deadpool, but with Pikachu. I I don't hate it. I just, I come away from, as everything's going on, as bombastic and silly as it is, which I have no problem with because it's a film for kids. And I don't think it panders. I don't think it panders to children, but I think it maybe panders to fans, which I know I've had issues with in the past, but that's just me. It's fine. It's perfectly serviceable, but I didn't feel myself kind of coming out of it going, I want to, you know, pick up Pokemon trading cards. Well, actually, I weirdly did. It's like, I need to pick up Pokemon trading cards. I need to know more (laughs) about this, which is probably what they wanted to do. It feels like something, but like the Transformers, but more accessible in that it's trying to sell a merchandise to you and sell a product to you. And no matter what it does, it can't get away from it. I always like a film that has its heart in the right place. 
I don't think this film has its heart in its bad place, but it definitely has its heart, and it's like we want you to buy stuff. But that's just, <laughs> but that's just me. What about you, Connor? Uh, somewhere in between. Uh, so it started off quite well, I thought. Um, once we get into Rhyme City, and it's this sort of colorful uh, noir kind of Blade Runner noir um, thing. Funny yeah. you mentioned Blade Runner because I've scribbled down my notes here. It's like Blade Runner, but someone turned the lights on, or Blade <laughs> Runner during the day because it's that <laughs> Blade Runner world, but it's not rainy, it's not wet. It's dry and bright and shiny. That was actually a direct influence for the direction of this film, that and the kind of old sort of 1930s, 40s styles detective okay. movies. So and one of the things they actually did achieve that was recording it on 35mm, which makes me so, so excited that there will be eventually a screening of that. But yeah, I sorry, I read quite a lot about this before. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah, so I thought we were going to get basically uh, noir, but Pokemon. Um, and I kind of started like that, so I was like, "Okay, we're hoping for like cool. Chinatown, but with Pikachu." I really wanted that a lot, actually. Uh, <laughs> How amazing would it be if Pikachu just had like a wee blast? <laughs> oh, I would be amazed. I would actually, I've loved that. That would just be a little in joke, just for anyone who's ever just loved Jack Nicholson for everything he's amazing at. But, th- <laughs> but then it kind of got going, and the main sort of plot kicked in, and I feel like um, if there was a sense at the start of having a kind of very specific kind of visual and tonal thing going on it kind of got lost as it went on um as it went on it just felt more uh kind of like plastic and basic and like the way this the moment that and i know we're kind of venturing into kind of spoilerific territory here but did the moment for you because it definitely did for me it's like the moment bill nighy appears on screen we are just like and he gives his little speech that yeah, like, totally doesn't set up that like I maybe he's not totally on the level good. jess is looking at us really angrily I don't mind, like, but, like it's good actor and stuff. I but like it, Bill Nye. But, but there, it, there is a problem in the film of, like, uh, dialogue where characters, like, give too much exposition mm-hmm. and they talk in a way that, like, people don't actually can't talk. And they, they do stupid things, like, um, when Bill Nye shows them the hologram of the crash, yeah. his dad's crash, and he, like, runs to the dad and he tries to see him. And I, I guess it's supposed to work emotionally, but you're like, he just told you that's a hologram. But did you Come not back. sit there and go, how did you get this hologram? In the first place, I know we put together a bunch of cameras and it showed us what we couldn't see. Connor, um, okay. Connor, Connor, stop talking. Jess is the really I have really so many angrily. counterpoints. So many. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. If you've ever seen a single episode of Pokemon, that's how they get on. That is exactly how they get on. It's all this very, very dramatic acting. It's. It felt just more like you were watching a live action Pokemon TV show, and I think that was maybe a deliberate. Don't get me wrong, I did find it at first when uh, Lucy Stevens, the one of the characters in this played by Catherine Newton, comes on. Her introduction, I thought, was a bit, oh, I hope she's not going to go on like that for the rest of the film. And then, I don't know, it just kind of warmed in, I think. when The more I thought back to watching Pokemon as a kid and the way Misty got on and her flouncing about and her very dramatic kind of action, sort of go, do, do you know what? Actually, this works. And I think, again, this is one of those more this is maybe pandering a bit to fandom. Mm. They're expecting the kind of overdramatic way that the Pokemon series was, but I could be completely wrong. It could just be it wasn't great acting, but... I think maybe maybe one of the issues is like, uh, I actually don't mind kind of like overdramatic, like weird over-the-top anime-influenced sort of ways of doing like um, characters and scenes and stuff, but like it didn't really match in terms of like the actual visuals like it was quite boring mm. visually like the the pokemon mostly look really good like pikachu looks class like his fur and um he's totally believable and he's like super cute uh, you know i'm in it did he make your ovaries <laughs> explode <laughs> no um <laughs> <laughs> but also can we talk about like how bad mewtwo looks like he's i think he's I just no that really took me out i thought he was like i, I think really the mouth underworked. was a bit odd that was the one bit I looked at and thought, mm, they could have done a bit of work there. I think compared to others, I think he mm. is, it's a bit like the Captain Marvel thing where all the budget has went on Samuel L. Okay. And the aging of him. <laughs> and then you have the stuff with Coulson and it just looks like someone's ironed his face. And that's... I would agree that's with you. I, I, I just find myself very, at, at times, kind of confuddled. And I, I really want to be that person who my mother is at cinema trips and would be... What's going on? What's this? Can you? And I was, I, I, I didn't nudge because you and I went to see this today at the Odeon. I know you've seen this at the press screener this week. There was times where I wanted to kind of nudge Jess and go, "What's this? Who's this? What's going on here?" 
whilst all being aware that I was fully aware of the kind of the reveal of who the film's villain would be, and without going into spoiler, I just find the villain the villain's master plan really weird. <laughs> really, and I know you're going to say this is kind of what happens because it's, it's whilst this is based on the Pokemon series, it's actually based on the video game. Yeah, it's based on the 3DS game Detective Pikachu, and it follows the plot fairly sincerely. Oh, really? Is it sort of same kind of layout? And yeah, stuff? except Pikachu doesn't sound like Danny DeVito. Which was the most disturbing aspect of that game, in my opinion. I would have preferred Danny DeVito no, to no, no, voice no, 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 Detective no. Pikachu. Could you just a surly, older, kind of Frank Reynolds? Pikachu's style. cute, oh. like Ryan Reynolds. Let's keep it at that. Yeah, I, personally, <laughs> I would have rather had a, like a Frank Reynolds, always sunny in Philadelphia style, Danny DeVito <laughs> oh, no, voice no, in no. that character. But no, it's just kinda... with all the coffee he consumes. <laughs> no, but with the plot, it, it follows the game pretty, you know, faithfully, and then. To anyone who remembers back to the very first Pokemon movie, yeah, it kind of follows vaguely. that style very I, faithfully that's what I as said well. Too, and one of the notes I made was like they make a reference to the genesis of Mewtwo, and I was like, is that a reference to the original animated movie? Which I vaguely remember because my cousin is diehard in Pokemon, and we went to see it when we had a caravan in County Down. We went to see it in Bangor, and I remembered again watching it then. The animated movie going, I'm so confused. <laughs> and I have so many questions. But oh, it's okay. Jesse's there. So yeah. it's I okay. St- I still have my limited edition legendary bird cards from seeing that in the cinema about five times. Great movie. That's okay. But, <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that sort of bothered me is that there's not that much like detectiving. Yeah. You know, it feels like the the mystery kind of un- reveals itself like in quite like basic ways and they don't have to do that much kind of work and it doesn't help as well that like so Pikachu can't remember who he is mm-hmm. um which kind of is fair enough in terms of the story because it kind of reveals who he is and that's really complicated but like uh, I actually wanted him to be full-on detectiving you know he gets like one little scene where he has clues mm-hmm. in his room <laughs> but I wanted like a full kind of like getting into the Pokemon underworld you know Oh, red herns, uh, femme mm. fatales. You know, I just wanted to follow kind of who framed I Roger probably, Robert, I would have probably know? liked to have seen a bit more of that. Do you know what my thing, and I said this to you just when we left the cinema, do you know what I wanted more? Because they make this big thing that um, Justice Smith's character is the only person that can understand Pikachu. Mm. And they play it once where they, they do like the, you know, he's talking, he's talking, and then you just hear, like, she can't understand you, kid, and she's like, oh, gee, all this woman here is just Pika Pika. I wanted more of that. Maybe it's because I love the sound of Pika Pika, but there's, like, a scene, it just felt like a missed opportunity, where they're in a coffee shop, or they're in a bar, and they're talking, and everyone's looking oddly at the two of them talking and having con- this conversation. I just think it would, maybe it's been shot and maybe taken out in a deleted scene. I just thought it would have worked better. For comedic purposes, if we have, you know, another cutaway from another person's point of view, where it's like we see this Justice Smith character having this talk and all you hear is Pokemon go, Pika Pika? Yeah. There was one setup for that, really. And then it kind of was a, it wasn't, it was like the film wasn't interested. It was this in this kind of mad, bombastic rush to get to where it wanted to be. And it's just that for me, the big reveal, which is, is if you know, if you're not, I know, okay, I know I'm 37. I'm not the target audience for this, but if you're not trying, you're going to know. As soon as they pop up on screen, you know who the villain this film's going to be, just because like, where else has your budget went? <laughs> and it was just a case of once I got to the end, it's like, that's it. This is just weird, this kind of plan that this villain has, without going into spoilers. It's just really weird. I think even if they had a had, say, two and a half hours, like, this film isn't insignificantly short either. It's an hour and 45 minutes, but I think they could have even went, say, they went to end game proportions in this and stuck a three hour movie in. Oh, come on, that'd (laughs) be great. I still think it was always going to be a film. It is a bit of fan service. Mm -hmm. The plot was, it is exceedingly obvious. It is. You sort of figure it out fairly rapidly, but I still don't think that diminishes enjoyment of it because I think the whole point of this film was just to get people sort of seeing the universe they wanted as a kid, really. I do think it's a, a real fan service movie. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, there's, there is that sense of you could argue it's not about the journey, it's about the time taken. I think so. And I think another, another side of this as well is it technically is a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Kids these days love Pikachu, which is great. But it's got this very cinematic, big, high-end blockbuster feel to it. 
you know, you're expecting more action, you're expecting to be a bit more serious. And I think that offsets from the story a little bit. Mm. Do you agree, if that makes sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of like end game graphics with other than apart bedtime from Mewtwo, story. Apart from Mewtwo. Mewtwo is like PlayStation 2. It's the mouth does it wrong. It's the mouth. That's what my issue is. Do you think it's is. just because he's not furry? I think it's because the rest of them are furry? They get yeah, away he's with like it. a scalp well, cat with other... massive scalps. <laughs> How he looks, though. I don't know, it's a design problem. We haven't really talked. Like, what It's a... not Sonic levels of problem here. Oh, let's not go there. We talked about that last <laughs> week. But I know we haven't really talked about this. What did we think of Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu? Loved him. It... I actually didn't hear Deadpool. I was really worried. I would be like, it's just Deadpool in a pink furry suit. But I surprisingly didn't feel that. I really sort of just kept in that this is Pikachu. I'm not sure. I had this, I had there, because I mean, I made the point, it's like there's Deadpool-esque one-liners. There's, there's a line like about, about talking to women. It's like, when did you last talk to a woman? Was it in the birth canal? <laughs> yeah. And there's something else. I can't actually read my own scribbling, what I've written down here. It was like, that's kind of something Deadpool would say. He, granted, he doesn't break the, the, the fourth wall, which I'm kind of glad they didn't do, which I know they do with Deadpool. But that's what Deadpool's character does. I, I, It was fine. It was perfectly serviceable, but it's Ryan Reynolds in his sleep. He's, he's kind of on autopilot for Ryan Reynolds, which is a pretty charismatic way to be. I'd love to be that charismatic <laughs> on autopilot. I have to try really, really hard, and I don't even get to anywhere near those levels. It was just, I wanted more Pika Pika. And I would love just, because I don't think he does the Pika Pika voice. I think it's when they, when they cut away. I think he does it once. I wanted more Pika Pika. It's... I will agree. I tell you, Mr. Mime scene's pretty good, though. That did make me laugh quite that a lot, I have to say. That was probably the best of I wanted more Squirtle. That was only my thing. I wanted there to be more Squirtle because that was the only Pokemon I loved as a child. More Squirtle. Just because <laughs> the way he said Squirtle, Squirtle. That's his little voice and that always has always stuck with me and there wasn't enough Squirtle. I would have liked to have seen Piplup. But that is actually something I will mention. I do like the way they kind of have taken Pokemon from across the several generations. They haven't mm. just stuck to say the first 151. I just sort of got a good blend. You know. I, your overall only see, if I remember rightly, it's only about 40-ish Pokemon. Bearing in mind there's over 800. Are you counting? I had a wee nosy and was vaguely counting in my head how many I was seeing along the way. There's about 40-ish different types overall characterized for the film. But there's over 800 at present, including one called Trubbish, which is a walking, talking trash bag. Somebody got paid to make that. And somebody probably got paid really well to make that. That's sad. The, the only thing about it, and again, I'm looking at my own notes. Very quickly, I want to say I loved Henry Jackman's score. It's kind of quite, at times, 8-bit video gamey, which I think is mm-hmm. is right. But it's not... The, the closest thing I think we can compare this to is something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And it's, I don't think it's up there. Maybe it's because we don't have a sexy Jessica Rabbit. Let's not go there. More therapy for Jimmy. <laughs> but I don't think it's up there in terms of the mix of kind of humans and Pokemon. We never really get to see that much of that. It's like, you know, it's like Zootropolis. Yes. Where they give you this world. And it's like, we've only given you a small bit of it. Whilst mm-hmm. I, I've admitted earlier, whilst I've said earlier on that it throws you kind of head first into this deep world, into this world and this universe, and you either sink or swim, it then really only gives you like little bits. Yeah, 100%. And then it, then it yep. takes you off into this kind of forest or this forest or countryside area. And you kind of go, I want to be back in the city and I want to see more of that. I want to see like the, the more of the police station where we have the cute weird dog thing and all that kind of stuff. Weird dog thing. Look, I'm not. I'm not a Pokemon. I'm not. Other than Jesse and all that kind of and Squirtle, I'm not a massive Pokemon fan. I have to admit, admit it. But can we talk about the Freudian imagery of you loving Squirtle as well? Oh, no, no. Let's not go there. I mean, my therapist, you know, pays by the hour. Um, but yes, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It felt like it kind of lost. Uh, the, I don't know that kind of sense of place or something. Yeah. You know, I think my thing is because this film is kind of transatlantically funded the closest thing i can think of is something like the meg where we don't really and even like as much as i love the the city it, it's a weird city there's little bits of it are from london mm-hmm. there's bits of it are from tokyo which is is weird but it just felt like to me like a product that had been sold that would appeal to an asian audience that would appeal to a western audience that would appeal to any audience there's no real sense of a a place for it in that same way like the meg is very safe. I mean, not that I... I didn't love the Meg. I didn't hate the Meg. I think it was Neil Sedgwick from Films and Faith was kind of the meh is kind of <laughs> what it is. Kind of, I think that was his kind of piffy review of it at the time. 
it's fine, but because that transatlantic nature of it, you kind of get no sense of kind of maybe I, I don't I don't know. Just me, you get no sense of a kind of identity for it. It just feels like it's kind of for everybody, which I know is what Pokemon is, Jess. Yeah, I was going to do that iconic Pokemon is for everybody, but it's I don't know. I think it did work. I think it worked quite well. I quite like that kind of unique blend of all the different cultures. You know, it fits into that whole idea of humans and Pokemon living together for the betterment. It's not. It's this kind of universal everybody can work together type thing. But there's other films that have done that, you know, quite successfully. Look at Big Hero 6 with Disney. Mm -hmm. San Francisco. It's, you know, San Francisco and Tokyo blended. Has the two cultures. And I think that worked remarkably well. And that film, and I sort of thought it did well in this. My only problem with it was there was so much kind of going on in the background. There are times when the characters were on screen. I was too busy nosying in the background to see what Easter eggs there could be. The, like, there's a lot there's of squirrels so in the background. Many. There's a lot of squirrels in the background. There's a lot of squirrels. There's an awful lot of Pokemon walking around. There's an awful lot of signage has been changed to kind of fit. Like, I noticed a sign above a cafe door. It was really cool. It was the markings of a Togepi egg. And I completely blanked out what on earth Pikachu and <laughs> that were saying on the screen and was like, oh, wait, distracted. You know, it's one of these films, I think, it could have that value of even just nosing through the background if you do another rerun of it. Mm. Just to see, it's, they've put so much effort and detail into it and I think it really kind of helped, but it would have been nice to see more of it. Yeah, I think it's good. Well, I think it is going to be a huge hit at the box office, so there'll undoubtedly be, you know, a second or third. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they go forward yeah but i think they'll maybe use this as a kind of launch pad for the universe rather than a detective Mm. pikachu sequel we will probably see another film i could be wrong here another another film set within that world like i could be wrong god it's gonna be another mcu like it's gonna be so excited but i mean we have we've we've talked quite a bit connor i mean like are you someone who's a big fan of of the pokemon series yeah, no, I, um, back in the day, yeah, um, I had Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy. Okay. And I would watch the cartoon before school every morning. And I loved it. Like, I thought it was like mm. a class cartoon. Uh, and I went to see the first movie in the cinema as well. Uh, and after that, I kind of faded away. Like, when they're coming up with these... Went through your emo new phase. Po- <laughs> these new Pokemon I don't understand, you know. Um, yeah. I was thinking there, just what you were saying about, like, the multicultural kind of transatlantic sense of space in it mm. and i was thinking about um who and roger robert and how detective pikachu is like it's gonna be really successful and it's designed in uh, a way that would kind of make it really appeal like across the board and there's it's a cute little yellow guy who like solves crimes and it's totally like inoffensive you know they, they couldn't do something like who and roger robert although i think like roger robert's like miles and miles better because like who and roger robert seems like it seems too seedy and unsafe for like. But yet, I know, an I know, executive to pr- I know what you're saying, head, but then you know yet I mean? you still have the odd kind of joke, like as I kind of alluded to earlier on, with the kind of when do you last get so close to a woman? The birth canal. That's kind <laughs> yeah. of that, that. I know that's a, that's a joke for the mum and dads. There, that's not a joke for the kids. And there's no such thing as daddy issues without daddy. Stuff like that. That's that's kind of mm. risky. Okay, it's risky light. It's like a skinny. It's like if it was a coffee, it would be a skinny kind of bit of riskiness. But I bet it's not woman wandering around with one leg sticking out and boobs hanging out with every single cartoon character sees or imitating having a heart attack. Nothing wrong with that, Jess. It's a bit risky for Nothing today. Nothing wrong with that. And very, it's also very disturbing the melting scenes. I don't know. Roger yes, Robert frightened me as a scenes. child. Brilliant movie, but also psychologically harming. I only ever watch it at Christmas when it's traditionally on, sometimes usually on, like BBC One, Boxing Day, when you're too stuffed full of turkey and you just watch it. And you go, no, there's Bob Hoskins with a drink problem and a rabbit. I think Detective Pikachu's the Roger Rabbit of our time for the safer audiences. I agree with that. And that wraps up the review part of the podcast. And with that, we shall move on to part three. So for part three of the podcast, we're going to wrap up with a little bit of silliness. It's our and finally part of the podcast. Now, I could ask you, like, what's your favorite Pokemon? Because you're both clearly telling me that you've both had emotional engagement with the series. And I've already put my heart out there and said I'm, I love Squirtle. <laughs> but I'm not. And I just thought because this this is a video game adaptation, I was going to go with, like, for you personally, what are your, your highs and lows of video game adaptations to screen? What are the ones you love and what are the ones that you hate? I don't know, video games are one of those things that suffer a very strong curse of just they should stay video games usually. I think. Would you say this is probably one of the, the best to date video game adaptations? Yes. yes. Yeah, even though I don't like it very much most of the yeah. time, it is definitely better than most It's a lot, games. like I said, it follows the game 
fairly solidly. You know, it's it's great. I really liked it. It's no <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Oh, come on. Bringing back a bit of Bob Hoskins. I quite like that. Yeah, so did I. I, I have a high bar. I, I, look in, I, I think my husband has a steelbook of it. Ooh, that's a good one. I would say the worst for me is probably Doom. I think of the worst, but The Rock. I like just it. showing up, and then you have that whole like—is it like a ten-minute sequence of the uh, film is told through first person? Yeah. Oh my and god, I've never seen it. And it's, it's it's pretty bad. And The Rock goes. It's the only time I can think The Rock being a bad guy because yeah, The Rock he's kind of like he's very careful now about yeah, being he's bland heroes. He's portraying himself as the all new all American hero. Yeah, I I don't know. I enjoyed Jim. I can remember renting that at a sleepover about 14 years old and all of us being like this is amazing it's just a game so but we were kids so <laughs> we were kids haven't watched it since but i enjoyed it at the age of 14 i didn't like them so what are you what are you going with what are the video game adaptations you like and what are the ones you just can't stand i don't even know if i can think of one i like at all uh, i can't Detective pikachu connor <laughs> you, you tolerate <laughs> the original lara croft Oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I enjoyed it. With Chris Barry popping up for comic relief. It was great. And Angelina Jolie's oversized chest. Brilliant. You took the words right out of, <laughs> out of my <laughs> mouth. No, no, no. But say no more. It, it just reminds me of the PlayStation 1 with the abnormally pointy square bibs. Yeah. Unlocking the butler and the swimming pool and the freezer and stuff like that. We've all been there. What if I rephrase that? What would be the video games you would love to see adapted to the big screen? Zelda. I was wondering if I'd sell the. Will we I mean, talk, will would we it talk be a nightmare? It? Would it actually be a good film? I don't know. I think if it was done right, because I can remember on YouTube and it got pulled by Nintendo, and I was so upset. There was a fan made one, but they put effort in, like it was with the money behind it. That could have been excellent. Like it was so good. But do you not remember the terrible animated Zelda TV series with Link talk? That's why Link doesn't talk anymore. Well, I don't think he. I don't think he ever did in any of the in the any of the video no. games. But there is the animated series of Zelda where he talks, and it's just like a really kind of American, annoying American brat. I totally forgot um, about that, and it's terrible. That's just all come back to me now. No, I think as a film in the right hands, that could be awesome. Yeah, it, but it would have to be the right hands. Like it would be so easy to be like just cheesy fantasy. Peter Jackson, just give know. it to him. And just go, let him go nuts. Let him go. But it would have to be like Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Yeah, not the Hobbit, Peter yeah, Jackson. Not, not the Hobbit, no, Peter Jackson. That. We need I, to go back in time and kidnap early Peter Jackson. No, no, no. This is where I come back to the rule that I want on a movie set. You stand with the book, and every time the director goes, What about you smack him over the head with it and go, No, and show him the book. And there you go. Continue on. It's okay. Well, you know, and technically <laughs> Peter Jackson would have just got the prefixes from Return of the King and went, yeah, this is what I'm putting into this. I'm trying to, I'm going to throw another dodgeball out for you, or I'm going to throw another curveball, only because I've been replaying it the last couple of days because it was back home in Uma. Metal Gear Solid was one of those ones mm. when I was younger, I went, oh, this would be an amazing movie. From replaying it, it's like, this would be a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a terrible movie. <laughs> Nothing would make sense. He's his brother. He's a double agent. You know, there's a scene where there's a boss boss fight where they literally chase each other around the room shooting yeah, guns at each other and you're like this would be terrible <laughs> that Metal Gear Solid is like one of those weird games where you know especially like when you are sort of start playing the early ones you think this is like video games is cinema this is like pure cinematic but then actually if you made a movie like with these elements it would be it would, it would just <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to see Netflix take that as an original series and have a go at that. Well, we've yeah. got, I think we've that got that The Witcher coming up with Henry no, Cavill. No, we've, no, no, that's be... already a disaster. Let's not talk about that. Well, he's not going to have a badly CGI removed hairy lip. But... He's going to have a weirdly CGI beard put on him. I know, but it's that kind of thing of everybody knows The Witcher more from the video games. And this show is going from the books, so it's a younger. All right. Sort of one and nothing wrong with a bit of I don't know, Henry I, Cavill. I just want them to do the game Witcher, and oh, there's a cosplayer that does Geralt amazingly well. Like he's the double of him from but the can game. Can he act? I don't care. He doesn't need to act. Okay. He just if needs I to appear go, on the screen. If I can go from objectifying <laughs> animated cartoon character, <laughs> Squirtle you can. You can objectify a cosplayer as long as as long as you're not someone you know personally. I don't. But uh, I can't. I can't think of any other video games I'd love to see adapted. Sonic was never one of them, but we're going to be getting that. 
Now, there was talk for a while, I think, of a Tetris movie, which I can't think of anything oh, worse. Yeah. There was, How could you... Um, Adam Sandler would be involved somewhere. <laughs> you just know. I, I I can't think of anything else. Donkey Kong Country maybe is an animated, but that's about it. But I think if you're going to go for best and worst video game adaptations, you've got to go the best is Super Mario Brothers because it's awesome in every way and it's so terribly bad. We're, we we keep talking about maybe doing a screening off it, but I'm scared because <laughs> I don't know if it'll just be me in a room. <laughs> but that's about it. Um, People would go. I think you'd yeah, I think you get numbers. So it can't be any worse than you know. Assassin's Creed. Three people. Oh my god, Ooh. Assassin's Creed. There we go. My husband is going to kill me. Oh, does he? Hang on. Does your husband Warren Blair, by the way, does he? <laughs> does he like the Assassin's Creed movie? It, if, if it says Assassin's Creed on it, he's like, "Where do I spend my money?" Because because he loved what, it. Because funny when we talk about, and I can't believe I've got so far not thought of it. When you look at something that is so kind of inaccessible to someone who's not invested in the series at all, the Assassin's Creed movie is up there. I've I've played maybe half of the very first one and got bored. And <gasps> oh, sacrilege! I I just I just didn't get into. It. I've been told like two or three is the better one that you should start, but it's like no, if you want to start, you have to start with the first one. And I watched the film with it's Fastbender, isn't it? Yeah, Fastbender. Right. Uh, Marion Cotillard. Mm-hmm. And I just was, I, I have no idea. I I literally watch it and it's like, do you like that when the Simpsons take the mick out of Twin Peaks? And it's like, <laughs> Homer's watching it and it's like the detective dancing with a horse and it like, that's brilliant, brilliant. I have no idea what's going on. That is like me watching Assassin's Creed. It's like, I have no idea. I actually, because my mom, it's a well-known thing in this podcast, my mom adores Michael Fassbender. She has, you know, you think I objectify Jesse from Pokemon animated <laughs> series and Jessica Rabbit. My mom objectifies Michael Fassbender much, much more. Uh, I think the quote is, he's some pup, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I left my uh, staff Christmas party to go see the press show of Assassin's Creed. Natalia really, like, I went, I went back to the party and I had no mirth left. <laughs> Everyone had by this point got absolutely steaming. Like, so is Phil many good. I'm just like, were you just steaming for a different reason? Yes. I I I have I have to say of the ones because people really at one time were putting this out. This could because I remember Lee Forgey wrote a piece for us on kind of it was it two three years ago was going to be the year of good video game adaptations. We had the um, is it Rocket and Clank or something? Yes. Uh, we had the that animated movie, and then we had World of Warcraft, which I didn't mind. I just didn't. I forgot love. about it. I didn't love, I and there was going to be all this year of really good video game adaptations. Fortnite needs a movie. No, <laughs> no, because there's too many people are obsessed with it. But no, if you want to go for the gold standard of comic book movie adaptations, is Super Mario Brothers, and the brown standard is Assassin's Creed. Are we going to agree on that? As a kind I'm going of... to agree on that. That's fair. That's fair. I'm yeah. in the spare room tonight. Yeah, that's okay. We won't tell Warren. He, he won't listen to this <laughs> the next week. So uh, with that, um, that pretty much brings this podcast to a close. So all that's left for me to say is thank you very much, Jess. Thank you. Thank you very much, Connor. Cheers. We'll be back next week with another podcast. We'll be talking about John Wick Chapter 3. And if you've enjoyed what you've listened to in this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. But for now, goodbye. Bigger, bigger. Choo.